0: anybody here work for SES? That shows us something about who we select for the college, isn't it? I limp up here today because I'm in need of the SES. The rains came yesterday and destroyed my shoe. So I put on an old pair this morning and it's ruined too. So I'm held together by blue tack as I stand before you in hope that the other shoe doesn't disintegrate as I walk away. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring... Never mind. Next week's college mission are of eternal significance. There's nothing in your life that you will ever do that is more important than what you will be doing next week. There's nothing more important than testifying to all and sundry of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than can ever be done than calling upon sinners to turn towards God and trust in Jesus for their forgiveness. So it may seem a little strange to you that in the last chapel before mission, as I challenge you out to it, I should seek to preach on Micah 2. Especially when you find that the chief message i want to bring to you is really the opposite message of your expectation that is there's nothing new under the sun so there should be an outline up sometime on the decks there to give you an idea where we're going we'll leave it up there i think if we can michael was a uh, country prophet of judah a contemporary of isaiah preaching under the threat of the assyrian empire and conquest Empires like Assyria, they come and go. (coughs) Uh, One conquest after another, one empire after another. It's just a constant pulling up, pushing down of empires because there's nothing new under the sun. In our own lifetime, we may think that we see change happening. Uh, The Berlin Wall comes down or the the British Empire gives way to the American Empire, which gives way to the Chinese Empire or whatever it is. And we think there's a change happened, but a long term of history will teach you that actually Ecclesiastes is right. There's nothing new under the sun. Jesus told us, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, There'll be earthquake in various places. There'll be famines. But these are just the beginning of the birth pains. Micah, however, felt the immediate threat of Assyria coming his way, coming through Samaria, coming now down to the towns of Judah, heading towards coming to Jerusalem. Uh, Chapter 1, he lists the country towns of Judah, punning on their names as he describes their destruction. But the fall of Israel and the threat to Judah was nothing new. This was just simply God's retributive judgment, point two, at work. The description of sin is followed by God's judgment, linked by the little word, therefore, for the judgment is the Lord's response to sin. You see it in chapter one, verse six, for example, it's the Lord who acts, even though it's through Assyria, he acts in retribution, in punishment, the punishment fitting the crime. In in chapter one, Israel's capital Samaria is destroyed because they were not loving God. Idolatry never expresses love for God, but hatred of God, for it's always an insulting misrepresentation of the creator. Israel was the nation who heard the voice of God but did not see any form. There was no visual appearance as they were called upon to live a different life by keeping his law and therefore showing the world that they were God's people and that God's laws were righteous. But Israel kept falling for the syncretistic religious pluralism that God forbade his people, expressed in the the offensive, degenerate, deceitful practice of idolatry. Sadly, Samaria had gone the way of all flesh. They had united with other religions that practiced idolatry, returning once more to the universal sin of humanity for there is nothing new under the sun. And their corruption and destruction didn't stay up north in the northern kingdom it was spreading like a disease we're told in chapter 1 verse 9 throughout judah all the way up to jerusalem but chapter 2 is not about the idolatrous failure to love god rather it's the other way of failing to love god namely not loving your neighbor for instead of living together as God's people, as God's family and God's land, they were destroying each other, for they were, in, they were coveting each other's inheritance, their neighbours' inheritance. The, the whole family division of the land by lots in Joshua's day, uh, giving inheritance rights to each of the families and to their children in the nation occupying God's promised land, that whole... System was being undermined by rapacious greed of coveting one's neighbour's entitlement. Uh, Look again at what Micah says there in the first verse following. "'Woe to those who devise wickedness "'and work evil on their beds. "'When the morning dawns, they perform it "'because it is in the power of their hand. "'They covet fields, and one sees them, "'and houses, and take them away. "'They oppress a man and his house.' a man and his inheritance. And again, we see the retributive justice of God at work. Verse 3, therefore, because of that, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family, I'm devising disaster from which you cannot remove your necks. and You shall not walk haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. What I want you to see this morning, as you prepare yourself to call upon people... (laughs) to repent of their sinfulness and turn towards God, as you warn people of the judgment that is to come, the judgment of God, of which this current pandemic is but a small foretaste or just the beginning of the birth pains, as Jesus would call it, what I want you to see as you go out on mission is there's nothing new under the sun. For look at Micah's condemnation of Israel's failure. For even though Australia is not a theocratic state of Israel, it's quite different, there are still four contemporary expressions I draw to your attention of the failure to love. Contemporary because they're here in Australia. Contemporary because they're sin. And with sin, there's nothing new. Firstly then, the corrupt and powerful And notice the heading, corrupt and powerful, is not a tautology. Corruption and power are not the same thing. Power does not corrupt, and absolute power does not corrupt absolutely, otherwise God would be absolutely corrupt. It's a nonsense. Corruption precedes and is independent of power. For power can be used not only for evil, but also for good. Power is not evil but rather it follows evil and enables corruption to act out its evil. Notice again verse 1. They are in their beds at night with their evil. It's a dawn that they rise up because they now have the power to do it. The current woke analysis of society is that power is evil. The, the journalists love to say we speak truth to power typical journalistic nonsense their analysis is that power imbalance is the systemic cause of abuse in our society but the bible's analysis that you're taking to the world is radically and completely different it's that evil comes from our rebellion against god found in the heart not simply of the powerful, but also of every son and daughter of Adam and Eve. Jesus says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. The reason that you and I do not sin more is not morality, but impotence. That's our problem. Given opportunity, given ability, given pressure, given circumstances, given enough wealth, given enough power, our hearts would express our corruption in actions of sinfulness more frequently. Uh, Listen to Tiger Woods, you know, the great golfer, in his confession of his adultery. He said, I knew my actions were wrong. There it is, the corruption of the sinful heart. Then he continues to mention power, for he says, but I convinced myself that normal rules didn't apply. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to do. The sin is there, the power enables it. Power enables sinners to sin, but sin lies in the heart of the sinner. Prior to and independently of his power, the world's view, especially the feminist, egalitarian, utopian, progressive, have a wrong diagnosis of the problems of the world, right? They see the symptoms, wrong diagnosis, and you get the wrong diagnosis, you've got no chance of giving the cure. They will never solve the problems of our social chaos and immorality. It's the gospel we're preaching. That addresses the right diagnosis of the problem the human heart and sin in rebellion against god and provides god's wonderful solution the only one that's going namely the death and resurrection of the lord jesus christ for the forgiveness of sins secondly there's nothing new in coveting the neighbor the neighbor's possessions the tenth commandment makes it explicit about your neighbor I've already been told earlier in the commandments not to murder, not to steal, not to commit adultery, but that's not enough. I must not covet. I must not desire. I must not want my neighbour's house or wife or servants or anything that is his. There's nothing wrong with wanting these things. Nothing wrong with wanting a wife. Aspiration is not the same as coveting. There's something wrong with wanting my neighbour's house, wanting my neighbour's wife. Coveting is the opposite of love because it's not giving but actually desiring to take. It's like all sin. It's in the heart before it's in any action and operation. But when sinful people gain power they do what their sinful hearts desire and plunder that which is not theirs. Verse 2, they covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. Oppress a man and his inheritance. The covetousness of Australia is seen in our addiction to gambling. It's not simply the aspiration for possessions, but particularly the desire to win my neighbour's possessions, my neighbour's money. For there's no love in gambling, only taking, only folly, only corruption. But coveting is not restricted to the classic criminal class who used to be called the colourful racing identity of Alison Road Ranwick. You always knew who that meant in days of yore. Think too of other forms, the competitive nature of modern economic theory where our concern is not for common wealth but rather private plunder as Ecclesiastes 4 reminds us then I saw that all toil, all skill in work comes from man's envy of his neighbour this also is vanity and a striving after the wind there's nothing new in human sinfulness but in Judah, we don't have the modern state built on individualism or modern economic theories, but we have God's people living as his family with the law code that was supposed to care for each other's welfare and the community as a whole. And so the sinful plunder by the powerful was thirdly, destroying the inheritance. The inheritance of the poor, the women, and the children. God's retribution for these plunderers was that because they had taken away the inheritance of their fellow Israelites and even handed them over to the apostates, God will give the plunderers no place allocated in inheritance of the land, no place in the assembly of God's people, no inheritance for them in the promised land. You see in verse 5, Therefore, You will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. God's justice is not new. In Micah's time, God used the Assyrians. In another time, he used the Babylonians. In another, Romans. But the corrupt destruction of and particularly the oppression of women and children meant that the land of rest was no longer a rest for the plunderers. Just as with sin, God's justice, just like sin, it's as old as Adam and Eve. There's nothing new under the sun. For the day they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were removed from the Garden of Eden and cut off from the tree of life. We live in God's world, which is why we live in a world that cries out for justice. Because the world that we live in is created by the just and loving God but we sinners we want justice without mercy for those who offend us and we want mercy without justice for ourselves there's nothing new in that it's why fourthly we see our contemporaries joining the same cry as Micah's contemporaries don't preach Note the irony, the hypocrisy of verse 6. Don't preach, they preach. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. People do not want preaching today. For they hear in preaching criticisms, morality, condemnation, judgment, hypocrisy, People do not believe that they're sinful as they deper- desperately try to silence their guilty consciences. They don't want to hear of their condemnation while they're glad to hear of other people's punishment. They don't accept that a pandemic is or ever could be the judgment of God. Don't mention the possibility that God is judging the world with this virus. That's, for, We are so desperate to get back to our old sinful... Pa- pre-pandemic life aren't we the last thing we want to hear is that god may be involved punishing they don't want you to preach or to mention judgment at all speak speak of the positive things not negative speak of love and kindness of the universal goodness of human nature of the certainty of utopia of the progress of social justice in our society that's what they want you to say That is what you'll be tempted to say. Look how modern the cancel culture of Micah's day is. In verses 6 and 7, as they deconstruct the word of God, challenging their meaning and casting suspicion on the character and motives of God. So they will say to us, don't speak of sin and judgment. They will say, you'll hear it this next week. It's all a matter of interpretation. That's one of the logos. That's one of the memes of modern Australians. There's nothing new under the sun, my friends. It's here in Micah. It's the deconstruction of the serpent in the garden. Did God actually say, no, you won't die? No, no, no. God knows when you eat of it, you'll become like God challenge the words you challenge their meaning you challenge the motive that lies behind it you don't need to go to Foucault go to the serpent you can find it all there or look at the message of Micah that he says his generation wants to hear because they've got a message they want to hear in verse 11 it's the message for Australia today it's the message of Australia today isn't it if a man should go about and utter wind and lies saying I'll preach to you wine and strong drink He would be the preacher for this people. Yeah, you preach beer, they'll love you. There's the pressure for you, my friends. The pressure of this week, the pressure of every year of pastoral ministry that I've been in, and you will be in. To go make friends for Christ and assure the community that Christ loves them Just the way they are. We don't want forgiveness that comes from repentance. We want affirmation and acceptance without change. And so you accommodate the message to conform to the hedonistic paganism of a godless nation. It's not just opponents, it's friends who will tell you to leave out the negatives. Just accentuate the positive, eliminate the negatives. I tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. That was a song that was written before I was born. That was a song nominated for academy. You haven't heard Hands up those who have never heard that song, accentuate the positive. Oh, we can sing it later. No, no, you never heard it, you see. But, it's saying exactly what is said today, generation or so ago. Spread joy up to the maximum. Bring gloom down to the minimum. They don't want you to preach the judgment of God any more than Micah's generation did not want him to preach the judgment of God. He, under the threat of Assyria, asked under the threat of COVID-19 but it's not the judgment of God reading Micah is so sad it's sad for it's so much of today so much of nothing has changed so much of there's nothing there's nothing new here or here we go out next week to a nation that does not want to hear our message. To a society that will not listen to God's judgment. That to a community that wants us to speak warm, happy, joyful messages of human potential and progressive idealism. To a people who are so full of wine and strong drink that they've anesthetized themselves into a depression of the meaningless reality of their mindless materialism, denying God's condemnation and their own godless immorality. It's so tragic to be an Australian in the 21st century. It's so sad to go out and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus to them. It's so sad because it's all the same. It's so sad that there's nothing new in this. It's just the cycle of human sin and God's judgment and human sin and God's judgment and the refusal to listen, the refusal to have the preacher preach. It's so sad that we're going again on another mission out to the people to be met by Micah's people all over again. It's so sad, my friends. It's so sad that there really is nothing new under the sun. wait hang on there is something new here at the end of the chapter suddenly God speaks I will surely assemble all of you O Jacob I'll gather the remnant of Israel I'll I'll set them together like a sheep in a fold like a flock in its pasture a noisy multitude of men that's not really new but God was always rescuing the remnant in the midst of judgment. Ask Noah, ask asked, And God gathering them into his sheepfold, more than you would expect, O oh Elijah. But there is something new in Micah's prophecy of this salvation. There's something going to happen in the sheepfold that is new, that is different. Somebody is coming. The breaker or the breacher is coming in verse 13 somebody is coming who's going to break out the people of god somebody's coming who's going to open the breach and go before them and when the breach is open like that they will all break through and pass the gate and go out as well that god's remnant group is not going to be just shepherded into a little fold they're actually going to break out the multitude of men that that are heard there this something is going to happen. This something, even more than the Lord's protection of the remnant, here is somebody coming to break out even further the remnant people of God. And he is described at the end of verse 12, and look who he is the king. Verse 13. The king passes on before them. What on earth is verse 12, 13 about? What is verse 13 about? Is it about Hezekiah the king? breaking out of the the siege of Sennacherib when Jerusalem was besieged by the Assyrians. No, no, it's more than that. For look who is at the head of the great breakout. The Lord, Yahweh, is at the head, leading his people out. What's this about if it's not news? If it's not new news? If it's not something different? The great new deal of God that we're going on the mission to tell people about the real change that god has worked in the death and resurrection god of the god become man See the endless cycle of sin and judgment is not all there is the endless cycle of sin and judgment will not have the last word our judgment our condemnation may be deserved but our death and condemnation is not the last word. For God is sending. Indeed. He has now sent. Because here we are different to, Mal- to Micah. Here we are different to Ecclesiastes. Something has now happened that has changed the world. That has changed the m- mindless cycling of Nowheresville. God has sent to rescue his people. To go out. Like Moses led the people out of Egypt to go out of death and Satan. To go out and this one is going to lead us to a new heavens and to a new earth. To a new creation. For Jesus has broken the bondage to sin and God's righteous condemnation. Jesus has risen victorious and by his spirit regenerates people. Bringing sinners into being the saints of God. Transforming us into the new humanity that Paul describes as zealots for good works. Radically different. Instead of being evil in heart, looking for opportunity to express our evil, now transformed in heart, looking for every opportunity to do that which is good. This, this, my friends, is what next week is about. This is what you are about. This is the message that you are taking that is new and radical, calling people to repent of the old intractable ways of sin and judgment located deep and permanently in their hearts to receive forgiveness of sins and a new life, a new life of the age to come. Under God, we are rescuing people out of Satan's captivity out of God's wrath, out of hell and bringing them into new birth, born again by the living and abiding word of God. There is nothing you will ever do that is more important than what you will do next week. But let's stop for a moment and consider the terrible fate of preaching to others a message that we ourselves have not received. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So let's start before we start the week. Turning back to God and asking for the same forgiveness that we will be declaring to others in Jesus' name we say the confession in a moment, we put it up there, thank you, if we could. We'll say this confession, I presume it's coming up. One of the powers of liturgy is that you say the right words. One of the weaknesses of liturgy is you just say the words without thinking. think of yourself you're going to go and preach to others to return to God, have you? Are the things that actually you need to be wrestling with God before you go out and tell other people hypocritically to do what you're not doing? Well then let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you for adopting us as your children and making us heirs of eternal life. In your mercy you have washed us from our sins and made us clean in your sight, yet we still fail to love you and serve you as we should. Forgive us our sins and renew us by your grace that we may continue to grow as members of Christ, in whom alone is our salvation. Amen. If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, if there are things that you need to deal with with God before you go, make sure you do. And if you need help to do that, I'm sure your chaplains would like to talk with you about it to help you.